What's up, world? This is Optimus Fields at My Living True, and we're back for another episode of Kinder or Bitcoin Kindergarten. Ooh, wow! Already struggling, guys. This is uh, episode fifty-two. We're at block height six hundred and sixty-four thousand eight hundred and ninety-seven, and the current price is thirty-seven thousand dollars and five. Oh man, guys, it's been a bullish week. Let's go. Uh, tonight I'm going to be alone. Nick is at a work dinner, so he's hanging out with Bitcoiners in real life and not in cyberspace. But without further ado, we got a word from our sponsor. So if you are familiar with us, you know that uh, our sponsor is Citadel 21. And we love Citadel 21. They're a Bitcoin easy by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners that's released bi-monthly, displaying the best in the Bitcoin pleb voices around. So if you want to write for them, definitely send them your piece. And I'm sure we'll see it released in one of these uh, next easing releases. But also make sure you pick up a physical copy when they release because they go fast and they are a limited supply. So you definitely want to get them. They're beautiful. Uh, Haronat and Katya doing beautiful things over there. So shout out to the Citadel 21 fam. So definitely go check out Citadel21.com and get in on the fun. So without further ado... We got our very own Jestifer underscore BTC, or as his new Pusendum, Thomas Jefferson, or Thomas Jestifer. My bad, my bad. Um, but yeah, Jestifer, take it away. Thanks so much, Optimus. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you did a great job for working alone here. I know, man. Nick, Nick hanging me out, dude. Putting the team on my back. <laughs> Doing great. Anyways, uh... Yeah, today I'm going to be talking about a griefing attack on on the Lightning Network. Is probably going to be like uh, maybe the scariest news of the day, but uh, everything else is coming up millhouse for Bitcoin. Um, so, uh, sort of in preparation for this next bull run, we got to be aware of some of the the little kinks in our armor um, to, you know, be be prepared for like the entire network to to get tested once again in another bull run. So uh, I'm, I'm titling this, uh, this talk Good Griefing, and it's about a lingering vulnerability on the Lightning Network that still needs fixing. Um, and just a quick shout out to Bitcoin Magazine, who will be publishing an article on this uh, griefing attack, and also to my website, satbase.org, where you can learn a little bit more about being a routing node and just have some general information and walkthroughs. So uh, in talking about this attack, I do want to set some intentions here. So first, um, going to be educating about the Lightning Network, uh, educate you all about the vulnerability, uh, to remind us to stay humble with this emerging technology. Um, and to inspire work to fix the issue. And a quick disclaimer, I'm not a developer and really only have a functional knowledge uh, from using the Lightning Network. So please do your own research. But thankfully, I do have Clark, who was also a participant in our, uh, in our attack that we, that we tested. Uh, so he'll be able to help me out with some of the, some of the questions, maybe some add some additional technical knowledge here. 
So first, uh, next up is uh, kind of the state of the Lightning Network, just to let people know know about it. So currently, there's uh, actually as of last night when I put this presentation together, there were over 1,000 Bitcoin on the Lightning Network in channels, and the USD value of that was uh, was 35.8 million dollars, um, and that's spread out between. Uh, 36.5 thousand channels. And uh, down at the bottom, I've got a graph here. And the orange line is the amount of Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. But then the blue line is the amount of, is the amount of dollars that are on the Lightning Network. So you can see that the amount of Bitcoin on the Lightning Network isn't really increasing, but uh, the actual value that can be transferred on the Lightning Network is going parabolic with Bitcoin's price. And uh, feel free to stop me with questions along the way. So first off, uh, what is a griefing attack? Uh, one thing to make clear, it's not a theft, but it does cause lots of pain and annoyance for the victim. It also creates an advantage for the attacker. And the person doing the attack can actually demand a ransom to end the attack. So that's sort of how these things generally play out. So they're not going to steal your Bitcoin, but they are going to cause you a lot of pain with this. Uh oh, Jessifer, I think your uh your mic did that thing. Jessifer. Can you guys hear me now? <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was worried that was going to happen. Uh, how far do I have to go back? Uh, you, right when you switched over to this slide. Okay. Let me know when to start again. You, you can start. Uh, You're good. Okay. Great. <laughs> so what is a lightning channel? Uh, just as a little bit of background, uh, it's an agreement between two nodes for near instant Bitcoin settlement. And the other thing to know is that the final accounting happens on the Bitcoin blockchain. So that's the accounting of that agreement between those two nodes. And lastly, uh, a hash time lock contract. That's going to come up a lot in this talk. And I'm just going to call them HTLCs. And what that is, is basically an update to the agreement between these two nodes. It's also a smart contract. So the grief in brief. Um, so what this attack does, it, it feeds your channels with transactions that don't resolve in a payment. And that's really threatening to large channels on the network that are seeking yield 
there's lots of talk about Wumbo channels, which are just really big channels with uh, 16 or larger than 16.7 million sats, uh, which is, I don't know, someone else can do that math, but that's a big chunk of change. Um, and so what it does is it may cause an expensive force channel close to happen. And so normally, like when a channel comes to the end of its life, uh, you can do a cooperative close where you're, you're going to contact that other node. And it's sort of the polite way to, to end a channel where both of both the, the nodes agree on what the final settlement is. And so they can part ways and it's no big deal. But uh, a force close is a lot bigger of a deal and will will lock up the funds that were in the channel for a certain period of time, which you can change in the settings. And then uh, the last thing to know about this griefing attack is it's a it's a vulnerability on mainnet lightning. So uh, what we did is we uh, actually put it to the test. So I worked with Clark and Phil, as well as Yust, Yager, uh, to, to actually run this test. And so uh, I connected to Clark and Phil with uh, tiny 21,000 sat channels. And normally I would never create a channel that small because it's like, it's really not very usable. Um, and so the only, the only real change that we made to the default settings was to lower our minimum HTLC size. So lower our payment size from the default. And that was only because of these tiny channels that we were using to run the test. So uh, only I was connected to Clark and Phil, used as the attacker, didn't even need to open a channel to any of us to run this attack. Any questions so far on this? I don't think we're good. Okay. All right, quiz time. Uh, what is an HTLC? Uh, smart contract, roughly. It's a contract yeah. between two nodes. I'm going to just come in here and say it's a hash time-locked contract. Beautiful. <laughs> All right. It's a hash time-locked contract. It is a smart contract that provides proof that a payment was received. Um, and then uh, the last piece, it's it's an update to the channel light, lightning agreement between nodes. I just wanted to add uh, a quick kind of sort of summary or context of the HTLC. It might be redundant here, but uh, yeah. it's just pretty much the way that payments are conducted through channels on Lightning. Um, it's pretty much like a, an agreement as to who owns what allocation of the funds on a channel. Um, or it's a smart contract to kind of alter that uh, to make an agreement that there has now been an update uh, as the result of a payment that's been made. Right, right. Yeah, thanks, Clark. Um, 
Yeah, so so we'll encounter HTLCs when we're routing payments as well as like making payments or receiving payments. Okay, so we're going to take it to the limit. So uh, the maximum amount of HTLCs that you can have in one uh, in a channel in a certain direction is 483. And so so used was just flooding the channels that that we had set up between Clark and Phil and myself with uh, HTLCs that just didn't resolve in any type of payment. And those are called HODL invoices. So that's a special type of invoice that was used for this attack. And uh, so once he actually uh, kind of flooded those channels for us, uh, he could demand a ransom. Of course, we were in constant communication with this, um, so he could we could tell him to stop at whatever point. And so when I was looking at uh, Clark's node here, the only thing that really stood out was, oh, it looks like he's offline. But uh, when we go further, come to find out I'm not able to send or receive a payment. And it just looks like this online node is no longer online. So couple of extra things about the attack. Uh, it can continue indefinitely. So Yust could just continue this attack as long as he wanted. Um, and uh, really Thunderhub, which is one of my favorite uh, ways to look at my channel. It's uh, at, at all my channels and check up on my, my lightning node. Uh, so like, uh, like Ride the Lightning or RTL is one of the alternatives here. Thunderhub is my favorite. Um, and it was the only tool that I had that actually alerted me that this attack was going on. And it gave me this warning on the home screen. You have a high amount of pending HTLCs. So be careful. A channel can hold a maximum of 483. So as I mentioned previously, uh, I wasn't able to, to pay Clark's node here. Um, and I got a warning saying no active channel without going peer. Even though we had an active channel, both of us were online, but suddenly Clark's node wasn't showing up. So I can't do payments. Um, I also wouldn't be able to route any payments in this state. And uh, in order to close out this channel, um, I'm, I'm actually not able to cooperatively close it. Um, so Clark and I can't really communicate to come to an agreement here and say, let's close this channel. So the only option left to me uh, for this, uh, to end this attack is to force close um, the channel. And here's the bad news about force closes. Uh, so these these pending HTLCs, those are payments that are waiting to resolve. And when a force close happens, uh, all those pending payments, those are resolved on Bitcoin's blockchain. So that means all of these uh, transactions here, those are going to create a new on-chain transaction. So any payment above the dust limit is going to create a separate on-chain transaction. And so that's generally something you want to avoid as much as possible. Like, don't make a transaction unless you absolutely need to on the Bitcoin blockchain. 
And so those force closed transactions, uh, it actually, it happens in a race state. So, so you're going to use the next block fee and times five, just to be sure that it actually gets confirmed in the next block. Now, if, if we're looking at a mempool that is like 50 sats per byte to get into the next block with 483 on-chain transactions, um, we're looking at a 3.4 million sat fee, which at uh, last night's prices was a $1,200 fee just to close the channel and end the attack. So uh, there's quite a few like Wombo channels out there that are several Bitcoins. Um, all of these things, uh, sorry, I'm getting, a... <laughs> sorry about that. Um, so all of those, uh, all of those transactions would, would happen uh, on Bitcoin's blockchain. So what can you do to prevent this? Uh, so used is working on a tool called circuit breaker. And uh, so you can you can view the GitHub on on that. So github.com slash lightning equipment slash circuit breaker. And uh, use tool, it works on a network level. So everyone on the network would have to use this tool and, and participate at actually identifying bad actors. Um, and uh, other than the use tool, the only thing that we can do to prevent it is to ask developer teams to prioritize this, uh, responding to this attack. Um, so you can help solve this problem. So I'm looking to uh, to Bitcoiners that are that are smart that are willing to work on this stuff, and uh, that can help us out a lot. So Bitcoin's anti-fragile. Uh, this attack isn't currently being used maliciously on the Lightning Network, uh, but it is a serious issue that needs some smart Bitcoiners' attention. So, and. Just to round this out, I'm I'm here to educate and inspire uh, more folks to help fix this issue before it becomes a real problem. A uh, special thank you to Eust, uh, the the brave victims, Clark Burkhart and Philip Shepard, uh, Bitcoin Magazine uh, for printing the article on this, and thanks to you for listening. Any questions? Beautiful, Jessifer. Beautiful. Um, I mean, I, I have just like a, uh, I wouldn't say noob question, but like, so I have a node up with some channels. Um, is this like a difficult um, attack for someone to pull off? Like, is the person that's going to do this, would they have to be very technical? Or is this just something that anyone that wants to mess with lightning is able to pull off? So this would probably be just beyond my skill level, okay. but uh, but you pointed uh, you made clear to me that this is not a difficult attack for for uh, someone who can write some scripts. Mm, okay. Um, and as far as costs go, 
uh, like cost for the attacker, it would be the cost of opening one channel. Interesting. So, so it's like extremely low cost to run, yet you could demand a ransom and, um, yeah, really, really take advantage here. Uh, there's also other reasons um, where you could uh, you could actually give yourself more routing income by shutting down other channels. Interesting. And how how would the ransom work exactly? Like, would he threaten to flood your node with transactions or like, would he just flood it? And then after the fact, you're just kind of stuck with it and, and you have to pay him or. I would not... say, uh, yeah, oh, more sort of the latter there. So just to kind of zoom out, um, and kind of talk about it more in high level terms, because, uh, we kind of went through, I guess the nitty gritty of it. The attack is pretty much just flooding uh, bidirectional channels with a bunch of transactions that wait for the sender of the transactions uh, to provide instruction to resolve. So they're basically just transactions that will never actually resolve. And once you hit that 483 limit on either side of the channel, the channel is no longer usable. So even if uh, every single one of the payments was one sat, uh, and you're not really clogging up, I guess, the entire capacity of the channel, the entire capacity of the channel is rendered inoperable. Uh, and that's what led to the potentially expensive closing of the channel that we experienced, was trying to initiate a payment on a channel that is already flooded. So the way that just the ransom could work is an attacker could flood a channel uh, that's worth a lot of money and demand um, a payment or whatever else in exchange for releasing the hold on that channel. So that was kind of known going into this experiment uh, is that that would be possible and relatively trivial in terms of cost and kind of technical know-how. However, what was not expected was that we would run into this uh, kind of hang up that occurs when we try to make a payment on a channel that is at its capacity uh, in terms of HTLCs that have yet to resolve. So trying to make that payment more or less initiated in a state of uh, inability for our nodes to communicate with each other, which could lead to that expensive um, closing situation. Uh, so I guess what that would entail, one is that it's relatively trivial to plug up a channel in a way where you're not stealing the funds, uh, but you could demand a ransom in order to release them. Uh, but on top of that, if it results in the inoperability of your node to the point where the channel has to be closed non-cooperatively, then if the pending payments were above the small limit that we tried in our experiment, uh, it could result in every single one of those 
having to resolve in the blockchain, which could lead to um, a result where pretty much the entire capacity of the channel is entirely vaporized in chain fees. So it wouldn't be a way to steal um, an asset. It would be a way to tie up a person's use of their funds and then to potentially even uh, result in the loss of those funds, even if they weren't stolen. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I got one final question, and that is, Jester, should we be broadcasting this information? And Clark, I know we need to get it fixed, but does pointing this out potentially highlight an attack and someone coming to maybe exploit that attack now? Or is it better to get, get that uh, vulnerability out in the open and checked? I think that's kind of an interesting question because yeah. what we experienced was uh, kind of the linking of a whole bunch of known errors and vulnerabilities. No one was really contesting um, that you could execute this kind of attack and it was described pretty generally and I mean, relatively specifically, if you knew uh, kind of technically how to achieve it uh, for a while now. Um, it just hasn't really been a priority that could just be attributed to kind of the wholesome, um, community, uh, around, you know, this technology right now. Uh, the fact that this hasn't been exploited, uh, but kind of going, I guess, through the maturity stages, um, of this technology as it starts to get using it for more and more, um, significant you know funds uh the culmination of all those kind of known errors can result in uh pretty poor situation yeah i i would say uh like right now right now we're at a state in, in the lightning network where you can trust a lot of people on the lightning network because you know everyone that's on it right now is is acting in good faith. Everyone that uses the the Lightning Network that I've encountered uh, wants this technology to succeed. They've already invested equipment, like dedicated to it succeeding. Um, and so, anyone using the Lightning Network really wants this technology to work. Uh, Use has been talking about this issue for a long time. It hasn't gotten uh, like much attention at all. And so he's kind of taken it on himself to like, let people know about this issue. He's been tweeting about it uh, nonstop. And so at, at this point, uh, I figure it's, uh, and, and use, use degrees um, that uh, like this is campaigning time because, you know, this technology is super important to me. Um, and, and this attack has existed for a while. Uh, but, it's it's time to to get it fixed, um, so that I mean, because this is quickly becoming critical infrastructure not only for Bitcoin, but also the you know the the U.S. dollar system or just fiat currencies everywhere. You know, with the release of of uh, Strike globally, uh, th those things are all using the Lightning Network. So it's important for all of us that this technology works and works well. 
Agreed. Um, does anyone have any questions for Just for and I do. For Clark? There you go. Uh, just fair. So, um, you run a Raspberry Blitz, right? I do. Um, what directories were you dealing with on your end? Like, where are? I guess what I'm getting at is where are these like status updates on the HTLCs going to? Is there like a log file or something that these are all populating in? Yeah, you'd be able to see it in your um, lnd.log file lnd.log file because i want to i mean it obviously wouldn't fix it but i want to write like a script or something to detect if like somebody is or how many open hclcs you have on a particular channel just uh for monitoring purposes i don't know what good it would do but i had like i had only heard of a grieving attack before this i didn't really know what it was or that it could potentially result in you know you having to close the channel at a loss um right so that's centering stuff. You could probe that with LNCLI um, to see unresolved HTLCs. Um, you could also use, as Jeff was talking about, Thunderhub. Um, the only thing, though, is that once you're aware that there are that many HTLCs, there's not much that you can really do. Um, yeah. Right. You However, really like just having rejecting like, him or anything. Yeah, just having a, an alert system would be a, a great place to start because at least you would know, <laughs> at least you would know that your node was under attack. Because otherwise, uh, you're just going to be losing out on routing income, which you could use to generate yield and potentially offset some of those um, losses that you might experience uh, if you do have to force close. The other interesting thing that would be of concern, I guess, to anyone who's running uh, a node on a Raspberry Pi would be that HTLCs actually have a pretty large sort of footprint in your uh, channel database. Uh, and if that channel database reaches like one gig or so, uh, it could more or less render your node inoperable. Uh, it would no longer really have the capacity to read or write to that database anymore. Yeah. So, no. so yeah, this is uh is a pretty scary attack. Um so it's it's important that this that this gets fixed so that you know Bitcoin can show how how anti-fragile it is. And thankfully this hasn't been used maliciously yet. Beautiful. Uh, I got one more question, and, and then we can wrap it up. Is that 483 uh, HTLCs, is that just like an arbitrary number, or can that uh, number be adjusted, or is that set in stone on the Lightning Network? Yeah, that is one thing that you can do. Uh, you can reduce the maximum HTLC that your channel can hold. Um, I don't know that it'll like necessarily help you uh, very much, but uh, but it, at least it won't. I don't know. Completely lock up your node. Like you'll still have some room to grow. You could also increase your minimum HTL size amount. Um, that would pretty much just make the attack a lot more expensive, but it wouldn't render it impossible. 
and it would also kind of block you out of processing a lot of micropayments. Understood. Understood. Um, all right, guys. Well, if uh, anyone has some questions before we wrap this yeah. one up. I got a question. Shoot it. Um, so, like, regarding people saying that you can do ransoms or whatever if they don't close a channel. Um, so what information is available to people as far as who's running these channels? Because obviously now you have these big players like Strike or Breeze or any of these wallet provider providers. Like, is there a way to know that they're running certain channels and can people attack their businesses and things like that? You would pretty much... Yeah. I guess just need to know from the node alias uh, in a case like that, where it's for a larger commercial operation, they would likely uh, give their node an alias that aligns them with that company. However, I think if you were just attacking an anonymous node, you could just send key send messages, uh, I guess would be the way to do that um, in order to demand a payment. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Jester. Uh, yeah, I mean, for for the most part, uh, channels are public, so you'd be able to see on on like an explorer like oneml.com, like which channels are out there and uh, and which ones might actually be competing with with your node for a route. Um, and so an attacker might look at those other channels that are competing. Um, and want to knock those down so that I could be the only route remaining and I could charge a higher fee for, for routing in that direction. Um, so, so I have to be, you know, careful about those, those incentives there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the only thing I have to add. Beautiful. All right, guys. Uh, I guess we'll wrap this one up if there's no more questions. Um, to the listeners, this is probably one of our more advanced presentations, so it might take you a little while to understand everything Jester and Clark and all of us were talking about. But uh, yeah, that's why we're here. We'll uh, teach you little things along the way and, and catch you up to speed. So, uh, Jester, you want to show show your Twitter and and Clark, you as well. Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Jestifer underscore BTC. And uh, feel free to visit my website, satbase.org, for some additional tutorials and walkthroughs on how to use some really awesome tools. And uh, I have no social media or websites to plug, so if for any reason you want to contact me, you can just hit me up on Discord. Legend. Absolute legend. All right, guys, we'll, uh, we'll end it here. This was episode 52. Thank you, Jester. Thank you, Clark. And thanks, everyone, for listening and for your questions. All right, we're out.